With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hi, it's Craig Fowler here. Before we get to tonight's show, let me tell you about our sponsors for this week. Manscaped. The men's below-the-waist grooming champions of the world! Manscaped offers precise engineered tools for your family jewels, and they have just launched their fourth-generation trimmer, the Lawnmower 4.0. Join over 2 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped with this exclusive offer for you. 20% off and free worldwide shipping with the code TERRACE at manscaped.com. Now, I've been a massive advocate of Manscaped ever since I tried my first razor, as I no longer need to worry about nasty nicks when keeping my pubic region nice and neat. But let me tell you about the latest upgrades. The improved trimmer includes a multi-function on-off switch that can engage your travel lock, means it doesn't start vibrating in your bag. It also gives you the ability to turn the LED spotlight on and off when you need it for a more precise shave. The Lawnmower 4.0 even allows you to customise your trim through additional guard lengths with sizes 1 to 4, And how about wireless charging? The new wireless charging system uses electromagnetic induction, which can help battery length last longer. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code TERRACE at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use code TERRACE. Unlock your confidence and always use the right tools for the job with Manscaped. Welcome to Tuesday's episode of the Terrace Scottish Football Podcast. I am Craig Fowler and I am joined by my namesake, Mr. Craig Anderson. How you doing? Um, uh, yeah, better. <laughs> better than I was yesterday, which is why we didn't do the show, because I was too hungover after the derby, uh, even though I went home at nine o'clock. Um, so what happened was that, so I'd barely eaten anything all day. Like I'd been out the night before, uh, nothing too heavy, but I'd been out for an Indian, went around to Tony's, got back about, I don't know, about half 11 or something. Um, stayed up probably till about one. 
Yeah, just could passed out on the couch. Woke up at like like quarter to nine. Supposed to meet my pals at the Shandon at half nine. Uh, so I literally just could have rolled out of bed, shoved shoved a little bit left of Indian left in my face. <laughs> Went to the pub, started drinking. Uh, didn't have anything else to eat until after the game where I had two pies at the diggers. Uh, just normal size ones, like they get a football. And then, yeah, I think I had a, a yogurt drink. And that was me until I got home at like half nine. <laughs> it's like still drinking that entire time. And I stayed up for a bit, but I didn't I should have ordered food earlier. I should have ordered food as soon as I got home. Uh, but instead, stayed up for a bit, then ordered it, and then fell asleep before the food arrived. Uh, and so it didn't really line my stomach. Woke up so very hungover yesterday, very hungover. And also, when my wife left the house, she <laughs> opened the front door and discovered. <laughs> Two pizza boxes and a, <laughs> a packet with chips there. Uh, the chips had the chips were all gone, and so was half of one of the pizzas. Obviously, the local wildlife, whether a fox or uh, some birds, had been at it and <laughs> nicked half my food. <laughs> I think the wildlife was your first thought. I just assume maybe one of your neighbours had just been uh, been hungry. Well, we did. did <laughs> I thought of my neighbours would just open the packet like a normal person, instead of tearing through it. <laughs> I never know. It depends who it was. Yeah, I um, suppose. Well, I spent my I spent my Sunday driving. Uh, we drove down to uh, Moffat and the border or the Dumfries and Galloway for to go to a, uh, a soft play to meet people there. So that was uh, that was much less adventurous than your day, I think. Um, yeah, I wasn't in the soft play. I hasten to add, but um, uh, it might have been more appealing than than um, ending up in bed at nine o'clock or whatever it was. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I have. Um... This is this maybe going to be a shorter podcast than I normally do because I've not I've seen seen the highlights of every game. I've read up on most of them. I was working at the time, but I did manage to watch quite a bit of the Rangers game, and obviously I watched the Hearts Hibs game, uh, and pretty intently as well, despite the numerous drinks. Well, beforehand. I had I had the delight of uh, of watching all three 0 0 draws, so that was uh, that was good fun. Um, <laughs> not a goal between them, um, but yeah, um, and, and uh, on top of the game, I was actually at on Saturday, also being one 0 So not not been a an, an eventful weekend for me goals wise. Well, we'll do as we always do. We'll put the nil nils to the side, and we'll begin with the other three games of which they had goals in them. And I think we should start at Fur Park, where Motherwell won their third game in succession. Uh, Aberdeen. Not looking at wholly convincing under Stephen Glass at the moment. And Motherwell, as <laughs> is, is somebody said in the Motherwell Forum, Graham Alexander's theme of murder ball is <laughs> starting to get results with for the third game in succession. Bevis McGabby at right back, Liam Grimshaw in the midfield, and yeah, it's three points. Yeah, and I, I think Muller will deserve this one. Yeah, you can look at the um, the stats kind of all going in Aberdeen's favour in terms of, you know, shots, possession, all of that stuff. But ultimately, they, they had a very soft centre and Muller will set up in a way that just exposed it time and again. Um, you, you saw it with the two goals, but you saw it just more generally in open play. Aberdeen were trying to play intricate football, trying to play out from the back, all of that sort of stuff. Um and it just didn't work. They didn't get they didn't get their key players in the game. Um, Ramirez, I think, had something like twenty touches of the ball in the whole game. And David Bates touched the ball more than I mean, David Bates is a, a centre half who came on with twenty eight minutes to go. And I think that says it all about the involvement that um, that Aberdeen were able to get to their kind of key players. Everything. One of the problems you can have when you build up from the back is you, you can sometimes just end up passing it about the back, and that. That was to some extent what happened, and when they tried to 
attack the box. Motherwell, they found, they found a, a central defensive pairing in particular um, from Motherwell who were um, who were on excellent form. Um, Oishala, obviously, I think he's played a couple of games before and then Sundry Solholm Johansson was making his debut. Um, both of them had excellent games. Um, Oishala in particular, um, on top of scoring a goal, had three interceptions, four clearances and three blocked shots. So, all in all, that's the kind of solid performance you want from your centre half, and that was in complete contrast to how Aberdeen defended. Yeah, I think when you're looking at these two teams, you're looking at two sides. One of them, yes, it might not be the, the most attractive brand of football, it might be a bit agricultural, but Motherwell seem to have an identity. They, they've fostered one so far this season. Aber- what is Aberdeen's identity? They're supposed to be uh, an attacking, exciting team to watch. But there's not really been much evidence of that since the kind of opening couple of weeks of the season, if you include some of the European games as well. And it just for a lot of Aberdeen fans, this this I mean, you look at the players. Uh, if you're if you're just kind of going through each eleven and kind of line them up against each other in terms of quality, you have to say that Aberdeen. I mean, no offense to the Motherwell players, but Aberdeen have more quality in their side. But Aberdeen just looked a bit of uh, for what for what the the fans were saying. Aberdeen looked like a, a mess. Like for a lot of this game, it didn't really. The formation didn't really seem to work. Uh, the, the midfield three all seemed to be too deep with each other, so there wasn't really enough kind of support to Ramirez. There's kind of doubts anyway as to whether Ramirez is kind of, if you want him to be your lone striker, he is good at holding the ball up, but you also kind of lose his kind of ability to make runs in and around the box and score goals. I think it's I think it's been a quite a little bit odd that Stephen Glass has kind of gone away from what he was doing at the start of the campaign where he was playing typically playing like a 4-4-2 with kind of inverted wide midfielders and then you'd have Scott Brown kind of dropping into the defence and the two fullbacks pushing high on so it would be a kind of cross between a 4-4-2 and a 3-5-2 but he's not he's barely kind of gone back to that in the last few weeks and he's playing a 4-3-3 and it's just you could have said it in the chat where in matches like this it wouldn't have been pretty and I know that there was a few kind of famous scalps that Motherwolf had over Aberdeen in the McInnes reign at Far Park, but they tend, they were, a lot of those were kind of the bigger games in the Cups. In terms of typical league form, this was the type of match that Derek McInnes was usually quite good at winning, uh, going away to a team that were, that were a tough out, but being, you know, matching them for their kind of savviness and their endeavour, and then just kind of having that extra bit of quality to go and win the game. <laughs> The one that came to mind was it was against Motherwell was when they, they got battled by Motherwell in the league. Was it was the you know like a battle by Motherwell in the cup and then they went down there on the Sunday and Scott McKenna's one of Scott McKenna's first games, yeah, and, and they just kind of went aggressive, went matched Motherwell, went toe to toe with Motherwell. I remember I watched that, that was a horrible game. But but they got the result and, and that's what McKinnis was good at. When they had a bad run of form and, and the Aberdeen are on a bad run of form, that was five without a win before before today's game, even though yeah, they were unbeaten in the league, they'd been five games without a win. That's when you have to think, right, can we just get a win by hook or by crook, however we can do it, get get the points, get something and get ourselves kick started. But they he tried to do more of the same and, and yeah, it just, it just didn't work. And they came up against you, you know what you're getting with Mullerow, it's not it's not surprising. It's go- it's incredibly effective. It's a sort of it's it's important to have this level of variety in your league. I think it's important to have a team like Mullerwell. They're kind of taking on the mantle of Livingston. We'll talk more a, a bit later on about the fact that Livingston aren't Livingston anymore. Um, but but Mullerwell very much are Livingston now. So um, and that includes inheriting half about half a team, I suppose. So <laughs> in sense. Um, but 
yeah, there was just something um, something missing from that Aberdeen performance. And Watkins came back, but he was kind of stuck out the way. He didn't really get the chance to impact the game. As you said, if they were, if he was more of a partner of Ramirez, that may have worked. Um, obviously, one they concerned with Emmanuel Thomas and Ramirez is maybe a wee bit of a lack of pace. But Watkins has got that. He can get in behind. That he can buzz about. But yeah. It was confused. I just I think confused is the word I would use to describe how Aberdeen set up. You see it from that um that first goal. I think I think it's a terribly defended goal. Um it's it's um a kind of aerial ball in McCrory. We've talked at length about McCrory's failings in, in the air. He, he gets kind of muscled off it and he basically tries to commit the foul, doesn't commit the foul, or or, or at least the advantage is played, and then he makes no effort to try and block that cross um, coming in from the right, from Willery, I think it is. And then you see the ball coming across and it's at the back the back post. It's um, Well, Ramsey gets caught under it, but, but both of them are just not doing enough to attack the ball. You see a ball um, flying across a box and there's not really an Aberdeen defender that well positioned anywhere to do anything with it. And, and that's, that's worrying. And then the second goal... It's not so bad in terms of how the centre of the defence, the, cent- the box is defended, because I think that's just a really good header from Ojala. But again, it's far too easy in terms of letting, um, I think it's Van Veen put the cross in. So it's just, Aberdeen, they, they, it was a confused performance defensively. Um, and that, you can't you can't defend like that against a team like Motherwell and expect to get anything out of a game, I think. Yeah. And we should probably talk about Van Veen before we move on to the next match because he obviously had a, an excellent match to go and an assist and is just kind of proven to be the next kind of big Scottish football cult figure at the moment. And I thought it was interesting as well that uh, Alexander, well, according to Google, Alexander started him on the left and put Tony Watt through the centre because I think we're, we're all quite keen to see Tony Watt continue in the central role where it seems to be getting the best out of him. But Van, Van Veen can can adapt to to playing on, on on the kind of more on the kind of fringes and being less like the focal point, then they've got a, a really kind of nice attack going there with even I mean even Woolery who's not really managed to convince many people so far. He's still putting a, a, a very good cross for the goal. So he's you know, he, he, I'm still gonna assume he's gonna be one of these players that's gonna lack a final ball for the most part. But you know, if he gets a bit of confidence going, you know, you never know. Yeah, and I think Van Veen, he's a rare player in terms of what you get in Scotland because he's a big boy, he's an aggressive guy, but he can play as well. And so you've got a real mix of um, things. I think that I think the Bergkamp comparison that was made, again, obviously much on a, a lesser level, but it's kind of, you can understand that. I, I think there's a bit of Greg Stewart in him as well. Like like Stewart was deceptively physical. Um, and, and yeah, the, but you really don't see a lot of forwards who combine those two abilities and, and that's what I think will make him a dangerous player yes there will be games where he does absolutely nothing where he, you basically forget he's playing because he just doesn't fancy it that day but when he's on form in a, in a game like this and, and he certainly was he's going to be very difficult to play against because as, you, as you, you saw he gets himself into the position to score the goal but then he's also able to put in a, a really excellent cross um, from Again, it was poorly defended in terms of the free kick. Um, they, they got caught out really far too easily with with the shape. Um, but he has to still deliver the ball of that quality, and he does. Right, let's move on to the next game, which is, let's go to McDermott Park. St. Johnson 1, Rangers 2. St. Johnson take the lead. Uh, shortly into the second half, from Michael O'Halloran, but Rangers fight back. A penalty from Kamar Roof. And then an absolutely stunning goal from James Tavernier to take all three points. To me, 
it was almost like St. Johnson scored too early or something. <laughs> like it almost it felt like they they affected their own chances of getting something for winning this game by going ahead uh, because it seemed to like Rangers were just kind of doing their usual uh, to start the season to me and really kind of looking like they didn't have a lot of tempo going. They didn't really look in much bother in the first half, but you kind of you still kind of thought, right, if St. Johnson could get a chance here, then this, this could be another long day for Rangers. But unlike the Dundee United game, when they did go ahead, around about a similar time in the match as well, this time they did manage to step it up. They did the pin St. Johnson back. They upped the tempo. They had some of their bigger players like like Ryan Kent with the, with winning the penalty. Uh, decided to instead of you know passing the buck and passing it sideways all the time, decided to to take the game by a scruff of the neck, get possession, drive at the opponents, ask questions of them. A daft challenge, I thought, to give away the penalty from uh, is it Mullins, is it? Was it Miller? Miller, Miller yes. Yeah. Uh, and then yeah, um, Tav, who's missed three of his last four, I think it was, uh, decided to to allow Roof to take it. Roof scored, and then Tavernier done the business anyway. But again, Rangers still not looking at their best. But uh, as Gerard said, "This is the kind of performance. It is the mark of champions. It's a big cliche, but this that that kind of matches." And he's talking about guys who have the quality, then stepping up and, and producing those moments, and that's what kind of happened. Kent's run, winning the penalty, and then Tavernier's goal. Yeah, there there was something of it that reminded me a little bit of a game we talked about about this time last year, which was when Celtic went to Dundee United and. Um, were really poor for most of the game and then did get the, the goal. And, and we we kind of, I think, reeled off a lot of the same cliches. I think it was a Yeti score quite near the end. And we reeled yeah. off a lot of the same cliches about, you know, you need to, you know, you need to get these wins and you need to get the, you know, get the points on the board and all that. And, and Celtic didn't didn't ultimately follow through on that because at that point in the season, they were playing poorly and grinding out the, the wins. The interesting thing for Rangers is going to come, they're, they're going to have to just start matching the results that they've been getting with the performances because I think they've had a really poor start to the season um, in terms of how they've played but they've got big opportunities in the coming weeks obviously they've got Europe we've got a big game against Lyon through the week and they've got opportunities to turn around how they're playing as well but as you, as you say as you said and, and it's a cliche for a reason sometimes when you don't play well you just need to get the win and, and forget about it and they did that and it was an incredible goal from Tavernier there are still, I think, some question marks about several of the players. Um, Hillander, I, I think, had a pretty poor start to the season, and, and you saw that with the the goal. Uh, that was kind of kind of getting turned inside out and falling over by Michael Harlan. He's not, he's not exactly the most skillful player, O'Halloran. You kind of know what he's going to do. He's going to run in a straight line quite fast. It's not like a player who's going to turn you inside out with trickery. And the fact that he was so badly kind of caught out by O'Halloran just kind of take, making a simple run with the ball would worry me um, uh, you know an, an international defender and so on someone that's um, you know very highly thought of for good reason at Rangers but that was really poor and I thought he had a poor game in general because um, he, he was allowed himself to be kind of bullied a bit by Kane as well um, yeah so, so there's just these little issues in the team I think the midfield hasn't clicked a rebo, I always think, is an immensely talented player, but a really frustrating one, and that he doesn't impact games enough. A lot of the time, he's great when you're winning three 0 but a lot of the time when you need to dig in the battle, he goes missing, um, and then you're leaving a lot on Kamara's shoulder. That Kamara had a really good game, but it's just like the whole, the whole thing with him is just a bit. It it, do, it does remind me a little bit of Celtic last season, just in terms of like it looks like a team that are going through the motions a bit, a team that are not 
Um, a team that are not firing on all cylinders and who look a bit like they think they can just turn up and win games and, mm-hmm. and they're really seeing that they can't, that they do need to put a bit of effort in. And they did, as you said, for half an hour and, and that was enough, but they won't get away with that every time. Yeah, yeah. Then um, I mean, it has to be said, though, it's, for this game in particular, it is, it is part of, you're right, it is part of a bigger, bigger trend. But this, we do should maybe remember as well that St. Johnson, one of the teams that give Rangers the biggest problems uh, shown last season. Uh, so to, to come back in the manner that I did, maybe this might be another false dawn because um, you would have thought that beating Celtic would have been maybe the game that really kind of kicked them into kind of showing the performances that you kind of expect this Rangers side. But who knows, maybe that, maybe haven't. Uh, I'm going to finally dig deep in, in to, to show the kind of required intensity and urgency that has been missing from a lot of their play this campaign in that final half hour or so. Maybe that's kind of the wake-up call that they'll finally need. Um, that's something that's hard to say. We should mention that we're recording before any news of Hollander's injuries come out. I'd expect it to be released at some point later today. Uh, he obviously went off with a knee injury that didn't look very good. Uh, I think he was even... You could even see him on the... On the, on the Sky Sports broadcast, like like lip reading, like saying "fuck my knee" kind of thing. <laughs> my knee's gone, um, and that will obviously, even though he's not, he's right, he's not kind of played that well to start the season. But he would, he would be a big loss for, for Rangers if he's out for any kind of length of time. Balligan's Balligan's decent enough, but he's not, he's not as good a defender. But even short term, if if Goldson, um, I think was missing for a COVID related reason, yeah. we've got a big European game in midweek, and, and I don't know that uh, Jack Simpson and Leon Balligan is the, the centre half pairing I would like to start. Against Musa Dembele. Musa Dembele, no. Um, so that, and, and he, I saw he scored at the weekend. So he's, he's, he, he will really fancy this game, I think. And you would, if Goldson's not back, I think it's, it's imperative they have him. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's, it's interesting. I, I think um, I, you know that Gerard will set them up well in Europe and you know that they'll probably, you know, put in a good performance no matter who plays. We've seen that quite a few times, but. This is a big game, and you'd hope to have the best players. In terms of St Johnston, I, it's really hard to to make a judgment. They've still not won a game this season. They obviously beat, beat our growth and penalties as much as they've done. Um, you've seen little bits in here, here and there. So that's looking like a good result with every passing week. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, exactly not. It is, yeah. I think um, I'm getting myself increasingly worried about, uh, about us having to play them the next Friday. So we'll wait and see with that. Um, live in the telly as well, just for, for the, the, the maximum potential embarrassment. But um, the, there's been bits and pieces in every single one of those performances, I would say. I think I've, I've seen a couple of week games where you thought, right, they really should have won that game. The did some of what they were good at in this game but I think again you can't lose players of the quality of Kerry McCann and not expect to get substantially worse you're replacing uh, Jason Kerr with well in this game James Brown who who I'd never seen play centre half before but it it was all right. Um, and then you're replacing Ali McCann with Ali Crawford who I think was overrated and he played for Hamilton and he runs about a lot but he's not he's not a particularly brilliant footballer and he you're not you're not going to um you're just ultimately not going to be as good when you take out two players of that quality. I, I think a lot was made and quite rightly about the fact that much of St Johnson's success was based on the tactics, based on the system that, that Davidson set up. And I, I completely agree with that. I think that was the case. And it made a lot of players look a lot better than they were. But the two players who I would have picked out in that team as having the genuine quality are the two that have left. And and what's left behind is very hard to replicate because you do still need to have those really good players in there. I think I think there's going to be a bit of a struggle for them unless 
some of the players that I have written off in terms of quality step up a bit and actually show that they're maybe better than I think that than I think they are. You also have to think as well that there's guys in this team. So right, you're looking at Liam Craig, big big player for St Johnson the last few years. He's 34 years old. Murray Davidson must be in his 30s by now as well. Um, I know he wasn't playing in this game, but just like kind of looking at our squad overall, David Witherspoon as well. He's he's now in his 30s. He's 31, which for a kind of creative attacking player, it's kind of when you, you do seem to typically spot a decline. O'Halloran scored, but that was his first goal, and I can't remember how long they said it was in the commentary. It was something like a year or something ridiculous. Um, Chris, and then you've got guys Chris Kane, Callum Hendry, Stevie May, um, forward to all in all, aren't going to score many goals like across the course of the season. And um, it's to build what Davidson managed to build last year was very impressive. But it's something when kind of things, it's kind of makeup of the squad that when things are down, there doesn't really seem to be that guy who can just kind of put them on the team on his back and score a few crucial goals at the right times to to, to get over these kind of humps. I do think I do think Johnson will be fine. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not I'm not imagining with this squad of players that, um, that there are there are several worse teams than them in the league. But I just think yeah, they're they're, they're not going to hit the heights. And I think even you say every year, I think top six is going to be difficult for them. Um, but they, they somehow managed to do it anyway. They, they don't win any games for about four months and then somehow <laughs> finish finish fifth anyway. <laughs> They've also got uh, YouTube Vertanen who came on in this game and. There's a lot of there's a lot of hype around him. So if he lives up to that hype and he can be the guy that scores even ten to fifteen goals a season, Johnson have crying out for a well, I've been crying out for a player like that for a while. Um, and but if he can come in and kind of be like that, then they certainly will be back in top six contention. If he doesn't, I think they will struggle to make top six this year. But no, still no chance. I think they're, they're going to be in relegation bother. I would say the same, and Davidson signing a new contract is a big, big boost for them. You know, I, I still, I still think this will be his last season at St Johnston, but they'll get, at least get more money for him when when he does go. And I think you have, you've got, they've got, I've just got a, what I think is a far better manager than um, than most of the other teams down the bottom. Or, or I, when I say down the bottom, I mean not not named Rangers, Celtic, Hearts, or Hibs. Um, then, so, so I think, I think it, they'll be competitive. But I think they'll just. Going to struggle to not even hit the heights of last year, but hit the kind of mediums of last year. Right, let's move on to the game at Celtic Park. Celtic defeated Ross County 3 0. Goals from Cameron Carter Vickers with a massive deflection on his debut and an Albina Jetty double. Celtic were made to work a wee bit for this one. The first goal didn't come until the 65th minute and Joe Hart made quite a big save from Dominic Samuel at 1 0. But in the end, Celtic, the yeah, probably deserving winners. Well, you're definitely deserving winners. So they would have maybe a little bit of concern of how many kind of uh, chances, like because the Samuel one was the, the big one, but other than that, they still managed to create a few kind of half chances as well that you wouldn't have maybe expected County to do going to Celtic Park. But I suppose that continues to show that County, for the fact that I look at their squad and I basically go, because <sighs> they used to actually perform better than some of its parts, which is maybe some praise that some people would want to give to Malky McKay I wouldn't yeah, I mean yeah yeah, they performed better than some of the parts still not won a game um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but, but yeah no they, they 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 were they didn't they didn't turn up and sit back and just wait for Celtic to score they, they did have their moments in the game they were obviously pinned back a lot of the time but they 
when they got the chance, they did pour forward. I think I think the chance I think it was in the it was in the first half when Charles Cook got three down the right hand side. I think that that showed up a lot of the feelings of Celtic defensively. I think it was Taylor didn't get near enough to him um, and let him deliver the cross, and then the ball fizzed right across the six yard box and. There, there wasn't really a Celtic defender that interested in the ball. It, it went, um, and, that, and this obviously Carter Vickers, um, Nathan Stabian, and from what I gather, had a good game, but he wasn't that bothered with the ball. Starfield, again, probably just worried he was going to score another stupid own goal, was just keeping out of the way of it. And, and there were a couple of county players kind of sliding in at it that, you know, if you're doing that against a better quality team, you're going to concede a goal, basically. And, and there was a lot of a lot of the Celtic performance where you go, fine, they got the win, but if they're playing a better team and they will be playing several better teams in the coming weeks, that won't happen. Ajeti won't score two goals like that. Uh, you know, you can talk all you want about him, you know, finding his scoring form and stuff like that. That's fine in a game like this where, where County's defending for both his goals was, was fairly shite. He touched the ball 16 times the whole game. He wasn't involved. And yeah, you can say he scored those goals and that's good and yeah and, and those goals are ultimately as, as valuable as goals in any other game but I don't think you can pin your hopes on him kind of keeping keeping them going while Furuhashi's out injured I don't think he's got it I don't think he's good enough um, especially in Europe and so I would be worried about um, about relying too much on someone like him and a defensively even though they kept a clean sheet I think a better team would have taken a, a goal or two off them and so there's a lot to like about this Celtic team, but there are these parts that I think still need to be addressed. Yeah, but you should always, we could probably say as well that it's still a team kind of coming together. Like there has been a huge changes this summer. I'm just kind of looking through the, just kind of looking at the team now. There's, uh, including Joe Hart, that's six players that weren't there last season that are in the starting 11 for this game. And it's still, it's still only, you know, the first game in September. So there's a bit more bedding in, but I do, I do still reckon you're right about the defence. I still think it's, it's probably the it's probably just the weakness of the team because of just the way that they play. Like they play very attacking yeah, style yeah. and with inverted fullbacks as well. There's there's going to be space to go down the, the flanks and really kind of get at them. And it's going to ask a lot of the centre half. Starfield hasn't looked that impressive so far. Carter Vickers did, did look very good in this game. And Starfield, you want it to be kind, you maybe say is starting to look a, a wee bit better as the games are going on. I thought I definitely didn't think he was at fault for yeah, the goal against Rangers the other week. I yeah. think that was just kind of poor. You know, set piece organization from Celtic shock. Um, but so the, there is maybe some ways for them to go, but yeah, I don't <laughs> think I don't think we learned a whole lot about Celtic for this game, other than they're maybe they're not quite as as destructive aside without Furuhashi, and I would say, yeah, yeah, I guess he's very predictable in Furuhashi, isn't it? That's that's a big difference. They still don't have a, we talked about you know getting some protection for the defense, they never signed anyone to do that. Callum McGregor is not going to be able to anchor a midfield on his own and Soros not good enough and that remains the case. So I'd be worried about that if I was in some of these bigger games. I, I wouldn't be surprised if set a few times. I wouldn't be surprised if in one of the European games someone takes five or six off them and then they probably win the and then Celtic win the reverse game 4-0 or something. I, I can see that kind of thing happening. Um, the Jota came in. I, I quite like to look at him. He's a, he's a very kind of... Um, a theatrical player that's how I would describe him he's like he kind of he reminded me of um, the same nationality as Ricardo Quaresma like you really don't know what he's going to do next he just kind of flits in and out of the game everything everything's done very kind of creatively everything's kind of yeah it's got a kind of air of the dramatic about it outside of the foot and flicks and, and 
things that I really like to look at him. But a player that I think has really gone under the radar with the start of the season I really like is um, Abada. Yeah, I was just about to kind of come on to him. He's um, he's a very impressive lead. Like, you see Jota like, kind of flits in and out and is this kind of uh, theatrical. Abada's just like so direct. Yeah, and, and, he's, and he's consistent and he's there all the time. He's, a, he's still only 19. And that's very easy to forget because you look at them paying that amount of money, and as soon as I saw the amount of money they paid, you think, "Oh, here's another one of these guys that they seem to sign all the time." Um, and, and for quite a small player, he's he's quite robust as well. And and again, you're talking. We've talked about all the Israel players that Scotland have to worry about, and he's another one that um, you know they seem to they seem to the way that we exclusively produce left backs, they exclusively seem to produce like wide forwards. Um, so so it's going to be yeah, we just need to have a battle for both teams put as many of, of those on the park as they can. But yeah, I thought his influence on this game, a lot of what they did well came down that right hand side, and and it, it does to me seem like the natural successor to James Forrest in terms of just relentlessly impacting on games and, and getting involved and constantly hitting the byline, getting crosses and hitting shots. Yeah, I, I've i been very impressed with, with his start to the season. Yeah, it's probably not really much more to say about County in this as well. It's just it's always hard to kind of talk about the, the opponents going to like Celtic Park and Ibrox and the lose with, while putting up a fight. It's like, well done, but it's not the kind of, not the kind of game you've judged on really. Ross Lidlaw's not had a great start to the season, but he made a couple of good saves. Yeah, and I, I can't decide if I, if he could do better with the opening goal. I know it's a big deflection, but he kind of is a wee bit further off his line than you'd expect him to be. But I think he's anticipating the shot, not taking the deflection, in which case you want that wee extra step to get, you know, narrow the goal a bit and get closer to it, less chance of going in. So, yeah, I'm happy to give him a pass on that. And yeah, I thought he, he, he did fine. And to be honest, yeah, I'm the same as you. Like, I, I really want them to fail. And obviously, they're, they're um, not not for nothing personal to Ross County, but um, they've been simultaneously not good enough to win any games, but also every time you see them, you go, do you know what? They're not as bad as I thought they would be. Yeah. Um, and, and several of the players are the same. I think Clark Clark and Burroughs, um, the two, two kind of loanees, have both had pretty good starts this season um, and, and both played all right in this game. And Peyton, uh, Ben Peyton looks okay as well. So, so there's a lot of these players that they've brought in. The problem is going to be, again, as it seems to be the same for a lot of teams, there's only so long you can keep saying that. Oh, you've been playing all right. If you don't, if you don't win games, then eventually that, that becomes an issue because all of a sudden you're 10, 12 games into the season and still no one. And you're, you're like, well, no, when, when are we going to win? Um, and and that, that might well be the problem for them. Although the good thing is, there are lots of other not very good teams in the league that they could beat. So going from a team that doesn't win games to two teams that don't lose games. Hearts and Hibs, Sunday's Edinburgh Derby, a nil-nil. Not a bad nil-nil though, it has to be said. Could still, didn't quite match up to the hype. I think a lot of people were really expecting this to be like one of the best derbies in years. Probably still was, to be fair, <laughs> considering some of the shite we've had to watch. But yeah, it still ended up nil-nil. Goalkeepers were kind of on top. Yeah, although I, thought, I did think it was a little bit overstated. I don't. I wasn't entirely sure there was a. Unless you can correct me if I'm wrong, but I wasn't entirely sure there was a Gordon save that you wouldn't have like expected him to make like quite routinely. And I think Macy made two very good saves. I think the the save from Mackay Stephen. I think yeah. so. It was kind of like seemed to be a consensus in the pub afterwards that Mackay Stephen should have scored. I think he was actually quite unlucky. I think if you see when you see the replay, especially Macy just anticipates it. Terrifically, he's already on his way down. 
before Mackay Stephen even strikes it. He, he knows he's going for that far corner and he gets down so quickly. If he doesn't do that, if he's got any doubt in his mind at all of whether Mackay Stephen's going to kind of like open up his foot and try and kind of curl it on the other side to fool him, then he doesn't save that because he doesn't do, get down quickly enough and he gets a strong hand to it as well. I thought that was an excellent save and the yeah. save from, I think it was Porteous, where it just kind of the cross hit yeah. off him and then looked like it was going to loop in. That was a that was a really kind of good reaction and really a kind of athletic save as well. It really has to be at full strength to get that tipped over the bar. I, I think I think that's a fair point, but I also think part of the reason that, that you think that Macy's saves are more impressive is because he's he's not as good a goalkeeper normally, so you, you kind of expect, <laughs> you expect Craig Gordon to save everything anyway, but... Um, yeah, you're right. The bigger saves did, did come his way, but Gordon, I thought, had a really, really good game as well, um, as, as you would expect. And, I mean, and defensively, both teams were really good. You have to say, like there were there were standout players on on both sides were, were centre halves and goalkeepers. Really, um, yeah. Ryan, Ryan Porteous for Hibs, Craig Halkett for Hearts. Yeah, say. Halkett was Halkett was excellent for me. That was kind of the player that we saw a lot of Livingston and, and being in the back three really suits him um, again and having players either side of him that can that can bring the ball out a little bit more. Um, but you did see him actually running with the ball a few times and he looked fine with it. But yeah, he, he had a great game. And, and Portis, I think this game really suited him. He's He can get caught out when he's kind of trying to overplay or when he has to think about things. But when it's kind of an, an up and out game and he just has to kind of head up balls and make tackles and he doesn't have time to indulge the more daft parts of his game I think uh, I think that works well you know if you start giving him time on the ball he, 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 I think he overestimates his own ability at times and will start to to make errors but when you're just kind of getting in his face he likes that that's exactly what he wanted and yeah he, he had a ludicrous amount of kind of headers and interceptions and clearances and blocks and all the things that you want a centre half to do in a big game Um I thought the I thought the first first 15 20 minutes it looked like it was going to be a really long day for Hearts Hibs Hibs threw a bit of a curveball that I'm Fairly certain hearts were not expecting. Instead of, well, they've played a, I think they've played a back four all season. They've played much played exclusively off a fourth two three one, and you just assumed that they were going to continue that. Instead, they came out in a kind of a three four three of their own. You could get it depends on whether you wanted to go a three four three or a three five two, but I would say it was a three four three, but with James Scott as like a false nine. Yeah, and that meant that you had on the two wide kind of forward positions, you had Kevin Nisbet and Martin Boyle, and what basically what that did was that it meant that Hearts couldn't really pass the ball out from the back. And John Souter, um, not um, coincidentally, I don't think, uh, had his, his weakest game of the campaign so far in terms of him trying to influence play going forward. And to begin with in the match, Hearts no idea what the, how the hell to deal with it because <laughs> they just had those two. Because even though Robbie Nielsen's teams, um, they're definitely pragmatic. They're definitely a bit defensive at times. But they still try to play football. They're not really, they're not really long ball teams a lot of the time. Um, and he likes to, he likes to pass the ball out from the goalkeeper to the defenders and build attacks up that way. And sometimes that could actually be quite boring because if the the team's not showing a lot of urgency or, or tempo, then it's just kind of a bit tedious. But in this one, Hibs just didn't let Hearts do that in the early going at all. Uh, and you saw Hearts had a few kind of hairy moments in those opening exchanges where it was very close to, or even sometimes actually giving the ball away in their own you know, their own third and Hibs nearly capitalised on it. But then they, they started to settle down. And again, I thought Peter Harron and, and Benny Bringman at the centre of the pitch won just about everything that was going. Um, not that Hibs players in the centre didn't play that badly. I thought I, I was surprised that Gogic uh, didn't start and I thought he was pretty good when he came on. And I think that Joe Neal had a, had a very good game as well. But yeah, the, the what makes Hearts tick is that, that two-man midfield and Haran's still got his doubters among some of the support because he does look a bit hobbled compared to the player that he was. 
prior to all his injury problems. But there's high hopes of Cammy Devlin coming in and doing the same job. He's a kind of similar player, more energetic, more dynamic than Harden, but somebody who likes to win the ball back and get the team on the front foot. The problem for Hearts, and I'm just going to, I think I'm going to be a broken record on this until January at the very least, is that there's just still not enough attacking quality on the wings. Like, starting Alex Cochran at left wing back, it's far too negative. Like, I can understand why he done it. Um, I think Joel said that on the on the preview show that him and Tony did, that, he'll, that Nielsen will play Kingsley at left centre-back to deal with the threat of Boyle. And that's what he did, and I think that worked out pretty well. And Cochran, playing Cochran as a wing-back means that you can kind of double up on him, and you've got two guys that are very kind of good defenders. Cochran excels as a defender. I think he's really good at that side of the game, but he's not great going forward. And then towards the end, you not only had Cochran on the left, but when... Uh, Michael Smith got injured and had to go off. It was Taylor Moore that came on instead, who's, who's recently seen play the left-sided centre-back against Dundee United. So it's like, you know, we're literally just leaving this team to three players who can attack. And understandably, when that happened, like Hearts kind of lost the attacking impetus for the last 10 minutes. And it looks more likely as the game kind of ticked towards the final seconds. If anybody was going to win it, it was going to be Hibs. Yeah, I mean, I thought, I thought on the whole, um, yeah, you're right. I think... Ultimately, it did work in terms of that left hand side because Boyle had one of his quietest games. They still nearly scored. They probably should have scored before uh, just on the stroke of half time. Had a really good chance, um, but it, they, they did successfully keep him quiet. But yeah, it's the same thing. If you sacrifice, if you focus on keeping an attacking player quiet by doing that, you're sacrificing a big part of your own attacking game. And you really saw that. And Mackay even I thought it was a good game, but. He was having to do a lot himself on that side of the park. Because, um, again, as you say, Beningame and Haring aren't really going to get in there to support. So you're very much end up, and, and Hearts did, end up with like three attackers and maybe four if Smith was getting involved a bit. But again, Smith is not not exactly the best footballer in the world. He's fine and he works hard and he gets something down the park and stuff like that. He's, but he's, he's not, willing. Yeah, he's not a player that you want. If you've only got four attacking options in the park, he's not necessarily the one you want to be the fourth one. Um, so yeah, there 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 were big issues there. Um, Barry Mackay came on. I thought he looked alright. He looked a bit off the pace to start with, and he kind of grew into it a wee bit. But I actually really like the look of Woodburn. It was the first time seeing him play. He's a, he's a type of kind of player that I like. He's a very patient, probing, creative player. So he kind of waits, and he, he at some point you're going to see him. You know, he's, he's going to sit, occupy his space, keep the ball, and then he'll, you know, flip one of them over the top for a run or he'll wait for that kind of pass, you know, wait for the ball in, in behind for, for one of the wing-backs to go into. I thought he had a really good game. I was actually slightly surprised to see him go off when he did, um, even though I think Ginelli did all right when he came on. But it was... I think there is enough about this Hearts team to actually challenge Hibs, which I didn't expect to be the case. I, I kind of thought Hibs were going to run away with, with third. But now... I think there's plenty about this Hearts team. They do still have a bit of growing to do as a team, I think. And I'm fairly, fairly positive about this season going forward. Yeah, I actually think Hearts will be... I think it'll still be frustrating with uh, just kind of what I'm talking about. I think fans will get a bit fed up with seeing fullbacks at wing-back all the time. But I still think they'll do well. I think they'll have a... I know, I know it's kind of easy to say because I've won two out of two, but I, I do think there'll be a lot better away from home because I think the team, just the makeup of the team is suited to playing away from home when you've got the guys in the centre who will just kind of dominate play against a lot of the weaker sides in the division and not let them get their foot on the ball and get, get fans like around the country frustrated with their own players and that'll help Hearts as well. But yeah, I do think they'll fall short of 
Hibs and then just because of the lack of kind of, I think it will kind of curtail the team at home. I think there'll be a lot of kind of frustrating nil-nil, one-all games against the likes of County, against the likes of Livingston that'll, yeah. that'll get the fans on the Ocean's back. And that'll, to me, that'll, in the end, stop them from kind of really, I think, properly challenging Hibs right then. Because I just think Hibs just have a bit too much quality in their team, especially going forward. Um, but yeah, it's certainly a great kind of, it's, for the first season back in the top flight, um, certainly very kind of optimistic from a heart's point of view. And then Farts get fourth this season. I mean, that would be a, that'd be a great achievement. Yeah. And, and I think that, I think they're favourites to do so. I mean, I've seen, haven't seen all the teams. Um, Hibs, I think, yeah, you, what you said was right. The, the, the playing Scott to begin with was obviously no, nobody expected it. And Ross likes these kind of curveballs. And it wasn't that Scott played well, because I don't think he did, but it, it just, it just seemed to confuse, um, it just seemed to confuse Hearts. It, and he kind of felt a wee bit like a sacrificial lamb. Like he was just a body that was being asked to be in a weird position so that defenders didn't know what to do rather than try to get the best out of James Scott because it wasn't about getting the best out of James Scott. It was about trying to get the best out of Boylan and Nisbet. Um, I hope we see more of Scott. I think I think if you played that that type of system with Doidge's that, um, position, that would have caused even more trouble because Doidge's probably got that about him to be able to, you know, Drop into deep. He's quite a clever player. Um, even if he's even if he's quite basic on the ball, um, Scott's not there yet. I think Scott. I think I think Scott can be the type of player Dodge is. Like I think even though he's mostly played in the wings and stuff, he has the physique and he has you know, a lot of the skills to play as a, as a striker eventually. But he's just not that yet. And um, so it, it worked until Hart starts out, and then taking him off at halftime is the right thing to do. But uh, yeah, the, the change of shape. I, I think it. I would be slightly disappointed if I was a Hibs fan in terms of how they played in the game as a whole. I don't really think their best players showed that they were. They, as you say, they have better players than Hearts. And I don't think you saw that really for most of the game. Okay, let's move on to our final two games. We're going to have to do this quickly because I've already supposed to have started work by now. <laughs> so let's begin with, which was the better of the two games, Craig? Dundee Livingston by a mile. Okay, let's go to that one first. Uh, yeah, it was, it was actually a pretty good game. Um, even though even though it finished now now, um, I've really liked what I've seen from Dundee. I thought they were I thought they were streets ahead of Kelly when they beat us in the playoffs in in May, and, and I've seen a lot of the same types of things um, this season. Just they're just a very competent team. Um, they've they've not got the best players, but um, the guys that are there, they know what they're supposed to do. They do it well, and they kind of. Everything is done to a pretty decent standard, and, and often that's going to be enough. It should have been enough to win them this game. I thought they, they were they were by far the better team here, and I guess their hope will be that, that adding Lee Griffiths into that team, and then obviously when Charlie Adam comes back as well, that they've got that spark. Um, Griffiths had a really good game. Who was heavily involved? He had uh, six shots in the game, but there, there was thirty three shots in total in the whole game. So twenty one for the D, twelve for Livingston. And so it wasn't like a dull nil-nil. It was it was two pretty good performances for the goalkeepers and it was some good defensive performances and stuff like that. But Strike especially looks excellent. Yeah, he, he seems to be one of these strange goalkeepers. He has some some great games and he has some terrible games, but um, inconsistency is not necessarily what you want from a goalkeeper, but <laughs> it, it kept him in this game. Livingston are just not, I think I mentioned this earlier, it's not the team that you associate Livingston with being anymore. They now want to play the ball out from the back. Uh, their their entire midfield is is we guys. Um, you know they, they've they've brought in you know Ben Williamson and then it's like it's Sibold, it's um, Jason Holt, Jason Holt. It's um, how come I, I had this all written? Scott down. Pittman, Scott Andrew Shinney, Shinney. Yeah, they're all they're all footballers. They're all we guys. That's exactly who the, the other players were. And then Anderson up front as well. What they 
don't have is any way of making it stick. Anderson, I share your um, your views on Anderson. I don't think he's good enough. Um, he only touched the ball twenty minutes in an hour. Um, I was still, still slightly more than a Jetty did for Celtic, but he really didn't didn't get himself in the game. And what happened is, um, well, we were trying to play it out from the back, but someone like Obelai, I think, lacks the confidence. Fits what are the same. So sometimes they shell it long, but when they did shell it long, there's nothing to keep it to make it stick. So they're very reliant on being able to and being given the time and the space to pass it out. And and when they're not, they, they really fall out of the game for large spells. Dundee are able to mix it up a lot better. That they don't. It's sometimes thrown at a manager as a bad thing. I don't think James McFake particularly has a philosophy. It's just a it's just a case of here's how I think you know here's our team go out play football be simple keep it you know there's no particular we're always going to pass out from the back. It's very much we'll play the way that gets us a win in this game, and I think that works better um, for them. And yeah, I thought. Dundee were really I think Jordan McGee's a revelation in midfield I think he's he's so well suited to it he was one of those players that when he came through at Hearts you saw him as a defender and you couldn't work out if he was going to be a centre back if he was going to be a right back he played left back he played everywhere and you could tell he naturally had something about him um, but you couldn't quite work out what to do with it and, and I think McPake's finally found what it is that you do with it and it's similar to the, the transformation that Marco Hara had at Dundee as well where you've gone actually this guy is a pretty good midfielder. Let's just put him in there. He was wearing the armband for the day and I thought, yeah, he was very good. Um, Livingston, I just have big worries about them. Anderson, Anderson won't score more than 10 goals. I don't think he'll even get there. Um, Williamson, who came in, I know he had a good season and loan in the Championship last season, but I don't think he's a Premiership player. I don't think he's got any future at Rangers. Shinny is a good player, but he's not got much. Oh, he's not played in Scotland for a long time. And he's not... And even when he last played in Scotland with Hibs in the Championship, Hibs fans weren't that enthused yeah. about him. Yeah, so it's, it's one of those weird ones. And yeah, there's just not a lot about Livingston. It's just kind of like, it's very. I found them very hard to comment on. They should have lost this game. They defended quite well, which is why they didn't. But Obelai and Fitzwater actually both played played well defensively. And Obelai is one that um, I've had doubts about as a centre-back. And I, I still think he should be in midfield because he would add that bit of physicality that we talked about as well. But... Yeah, I think it's summed up. Like um, they had twelve shots, Levy, and it was from eleven different players. It's like there's no nobody's taking us the game by the scruff of the neck. Nobody's doing anything, and it, yeah, it just it just all felt like they'll be happy to get a point away from home. And Martindale said said as much. But I don't see where wins and goals and stuff are coming from. Right, let's move on to the final game. Uh, that was nil Dundee United nil. How was this one? Absolute shite. It was a, <laughs> a terrible game. I, I really hated watching this. Um, I, I kind of didn't expect much else, to be honest. But yeah, the, the problem is neither team has any flair in it. Neither team's got, it, like, both teams have got, like, workmanlike defences in midfields. And then you've got a front three for, for United. It's um, Niskanen, who looked okay for United. And then Pollitt, who is a, I quite like him, but he's, he's not a flair player. He's a direct runner. And McNulty up front. I don't know what was going on with Nicky Clark. He's a he's far better player than McNulty, but um, was was on the bench. Um, and then for for St Mirren, they've got McGrath, but he's again he's a very functional, creative player. He's not going to do anything you don't expect. He's really he's really technically sound. He's good on good on dead balls, all that type of stuff. And then you've got a front pair in a uh, Brophy and Main, who are, I mean, that's not a straight partnership for me. They're, they're too similar to each other. I don't I don't really see what he's trying to do with that pairing. Um, and 
and the end result is that you get a game where where nothing happens. Like there, there was no there was no point where any team put a nice move together. All the chances were kind of attritional. It was crosses. It was like mistakes from defenders. It was long balls. It was breaks of the ball and everything was long ball as well. So um, it was kind of summed up. I was looking at the stats because I watched this and I was like, there, there wasn't a lot of uh, passing out from the back here. Uh, in total, um, there were 67 passes from the two goalkeepers combined and 66 of them were long. So there was one short pass from the goalkeepers according from according to the who scored stats, which I looked at after the game. And it kind of summed up, summed up what I thought I was watching. Uh, one more question um, for you in this game. You, you, even though you didn't see it, I bet you can give me the answer to this question. So there was only one player on the park who had more than two shots. Can you tell me which player that is? Eamon Brophy. As Eamon Brophy had five <laughs> shots and none of them were on target. Um, he did have the ball in the back of the net though. Yeah, it was correct. I think correctly given as a fan. But yeah, the, there just wasn't a lot to like about this game. Um, St Mirren at least did like, try and liven up in the second half by giving, I think, with it about three times in the space of five minutes, giving Jack Anik like, absolutely terrible back passes to try and kick up the park. That was about the highlight for me. I, I, re- I really worry about St Mirren. I think they've, they've, they've recruited good, decent players, but... I don't see where the creation in their team come from. You can see why they were trying to get Scott Allen and, and Deadline Day because he would have added something like that because there's, there's a real a real workman-like nature to them. It's very much in Jim Goodwin's own image. And I think what will save them is that he's, a, again, a better manager than some of the other guys about. Um, United, like Tam, Tam Coates is kind of very much, or sorry, Thomas Coates is very much, uh, there is a bit of a Mickey Mellon mark too about him. Like, I don't see I don't see a philosophy, I don't see an idea. It does just seem to be, you know, get the points and stay up again. Uh, Mark McNulty, it was an absolute sittery miss going through one on one. I never had any I, I, oh, it's easy for me to say I never had any faith in him because I already knew it was nil nil when I was watching it. But I thought I didn't even think oh the goalkeeper's going to make a good save here. I thought exactly what's going to happen, he's going to miss the target here. Um yeah, I just I don't like I don't like what I've seen from either of these teams so far this season. Yeah, I think that's fair. And it was funny, you could tell when we Nolte's one, like, because the fans, there's not really, I don't think there's a lot of fans that are big fans of McNulty. And uh, yeah, you can see after he missed, there was like, a, I was looking behind the goal to, to, for the reaction and there was kind of, it was mixed. So there was, there was those who were like kind of clapping and kind of like, or stunned hands on heed kind of thing. Or like, yeah, giving him a wee applause for, for running through in the first place and, you know, nearly scoring that kind of, that kind of wee appreciation you give, uh, but I could also see a lot of a lot of hands coming forward. <laughs> Fucking you! Ah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you slut prick. <laughs> I, I I just I just don't I don't think like it's criminal to me that Nicky Clark would sit on the bench when he's playing. I, I mean, if you want to pair the two of them, that's okay. Um, I can understand he, he has some qualities there, but not at the expense of Clark. Um, but yeah, there's just not a lot to like about that game, and you really hope that both of them will be more interesting when they're not playing each other because I think these games had a bit of a history of being shit last season as well. So, um, fingers crossed that they, it's not a pattern for both teams. Well, I assume that's so because every game we've done the right was a bit shit last season. So. <laughs> right, Craig, I think that'll do us. No worries. Thank you very much for joining me. Thank you to everybody for listening. Apologies for it being 24 hours late. Anyway, goodbye. Cheers. Podcast Network.